All right. 2020. Can you believe it? It's yes and no, right? Yes and no. It's hard to believe, you know. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, those of you who know a little bit about me know that I'm not very, shall we say, computer savvy. Some of you just laughed, okay, because you know. In fact, I would even consider myself, shall we say, computer stupid. <laughs> Ooh, he said the S word. Yes, that's me. That's me. I'm one of those guys that my computer starts making a, a weird noise. Stop, you know, and sometimes it stops, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but one of the things that my computer does sometimes, I'm talking about my computer in my office, uh, it's sometimes it just shuts down for no reason. And it seems like it's always just when I need it, right? Y'all ever have that, that issue, something shuts down, but it's always right when you have to have it, right? And so I have this little process I go through, and I don't know why it shuts down. Sometimes it's because of a power surge. Sometimes uh, it's because my computer just doesn't want to do right and feels like taking a nap, so it does, amen? And it totally shuts down. So, but I have, I've, I've figured out I just can't push the button on the tower at the bottom. That would be nice, but I can't do it. There's a process I've figured out that I have to go through, and this is it. I have to go over to where the plug is over here, and I've got a power source, which is a, a surge protector. And the first step is I have to unplug it from the surge protector, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, plug it back in. Then the surge protector has this little button on it. I have to push it. Beep. 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000. And I, I, I literally, I stand there and I count, you know, and I have to go through that. So then I push it again. All's good. Then I have to go back to the tower and I go to the back of it and I push. There's a little button back there. I push it. 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, 4, 1,000, 5, 1,000. Click it back on. Now. I'm ready to go back to the tower in the front where the little blue button is at the bottom and go, boop, and guess what? It comes right on. It's got this little blue light on it, and when that blue light comes on, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad. Thank you, Lord, you know? And I go through this process. In other words, I have to reboot the computer. Is anybody with me? Oh, man, it's just it's a, such a pain sometimes, and, and I don't mind. I just got, at least I figured the process out through the process of elimination and just doing it over and over again. But sometimes we need a reboot. I don't know how uh, it was in your life and in your family and in your job, but how was 2019? Some of you look at me and you go, man, 2019 was good. Man, God blessed here and God blessed there, and man, God's using me here, God's doing over here, man, I've had so many answered prayers. Man, I've been able to witness to this person and that person. I'm growing in my faith. I'm, I'm reading my Bible like I've never read it before, and I'm praying and seeing God work through my prayer life never before. And 2019 was good. And then there are others who would look at me and just go, no. <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand on that one, okay? But, but we can all relate, huh? And then there's some of us who are kind of in the middle. It's like, Everything that could go wrong in 2019 did go wrong, right? And, uh, I mean, I lost this and didn't get that, and this broke down and that broke down, and I had trouble here and, and got in trouble for that, and it just one thing after another after another. And then there are those of us who would say, well, you know, what too bad? Well, you know what? The, the nice thing about God is he's a God of do-overs, amen? He's a God of starting over. He's a God of reboots. And maybe you need to in your life. Maybe you don't. Maybe you were on top of your spiritual game, and man, God is just blessing you doing, and God is all over it. 
No doubt that over the past year, you could probably put everything into two categories. Probably put everything into successes and to struggles. Successes. Maybe you got a, a new vehicle. Maybe you got a maybe there's a new baby in the house. Maybe there's a new home. Maybe you got a promotion, a raise. Maybe you got that nice Christmas bonus you were looking for. Maybe you were able to break an addiction that you had. Maybe your prayer life has increased. Maybe uh, possibly you're, you're reading more of your Bible. Maybe you read your Bible all the way through for the first time last year, which would be awesome. Maybe you can say, Pastor, I read one proverb every day for the entire year last year. I, I don't know. Whatever those successes are, maybe you've experienced significant growth in your own Christian life. Maybe you were able to minister and serve more, and, and, and maybe you gained a new friend, a great friend. I, I'm not sure, but we would consider all those successes, right? But we've also got struggles. Maybe you feel like you failed God. Maybe you feel like uh, you failed in, in your relationships or maybe your marriage or possibly with your children. Maybe you feel like, you know, I'm just not effective with my prayer life anymore. I'm not as faithful in serving the Lord. I'm not as faithful in, wasn't as faithful last year in, in my church attendance or serving the Lord here or doing that there. Maybe I've taken a few steps backwards rather than a few steps forward. Maybe you've had a tough year through family losses, financial losses. Maybe you did lose a job. You didn't gain a job. You lost a job. And you still haven't gotten a job yet. Maybe you've, you've had that debt build up and you've, maybe you've had physical afflictions. Maybe you've struggled emotionally. And we could go on and on and on with the struggles. But more than likely, for all of us, for most of us at least, it's probably a combination of both, right? We've probably had some successes and some struggles. Life ebbs and flows. It has mountaintops, but it also has what? Valleys, you know, and it goes back and forth. The good news is, with God, there's always hope. Amen? With God, there's always hope. God always is God of second chances and do-overs and new beginnings. And, and you may be here today, you may just say, Pastor, I, I need a reboot. I need a reboot in my life. I need to reboot my spiritual life. I need something to happen. And we're going to kind of look at that today as we look at our message, Anyone Need a Reboot? Now, I don't, you don't have to say, well, that's me, okay, because you don't, you don't need to make that known. But I want to share with you some scripture here today. And I know our, our primary scripture is in John 21, and I know some of you already have your Bible turned to that. But I want you to turn backwards with me to Luke 22. Go to Luke 22 with me first. Luke chapter 22. And if you would, stand with me out of respect to God's word, and just as we read this one passage here, Luke twenty-two fifty-four. 54, Luke twenty-two fifty-four. this is near the end of Jesus' life, he's about to go to the cross, Luke twenty-two fifty-four says, having arrested him, speaking of Jesus, they led him uh, and brought him into the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed the distance. We're going to be focused on Peter today and the Lord. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard, sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, that was also with him. But he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. 
Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me. Three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. God bless your word today as we speak of it, as we study it, as we realize that even as great as the great disciple and apostle Peter was, that we all need to come back. We all need a reboot. We all have a path to follow that you have laid for us to get back to you. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Peter. Peter. This is a guy, boy, I'll tell you, he's one of the primary leaders, obviously, of the disciples, very outspoken. But I want you to kind of track with me here for a few moments. Remember, this is the guy that said that Jesus spoke to him and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus walking by Sea of Galilee and he just looks at Peter and Andrew and says, follow me. You too, you, you and you. And he looked over at James and John. You and you follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Let's go. And the Bible says they left their nets and they followed him. This is the great apostle Peter. This is the, the person who saw Jesus. He saw the transfiguration of Jesus before his very eyes. Think about that for a moment. Peter, James, and John. The others did not. He did. This is the great apostle who saw Jesus raise uh, Jairus, this uh, 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 religious leader, raise his daughter from the dead. The, the, Peter, James, and John were all called by Jesus to go into this room where Jairus' daughter was lying, and, and, and they told her, they told him, she's dead, she's no more, it's over. And then Jesus said, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And then the people ridiculed him, they mocked him, they laughed at him. And then Jesus tells her, Talitha Kuma, little girl, arise. And of course, she raises from the dead. This is a guy, Peter, who was selected to go pray with Jesus just a little bit further into the garden, further than anybody else. Peter, James, and John, they were all selected to follow Jesus a little bit further into the garden. This is the same guy who said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The greatest statement in all of Scripture made by anyone other than Jesus right there. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the same guy who walked on water. Think about that. This is the same guy who said, Jesus, I will die with you. I'll never deny you. You, 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 you get killed, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm getting killed with you. I will die with you. Sounds like a pretty committed guy, doesn't it? Sounds like a guy who loved the Lord, doesn't it? Then we read Luke 22. What happened? What happened along the way? How did it go so wrong so fast? I mean, literally within hours, it went bad wrong. Well, a couple things I want to share with you today. First of all, I want to share with you Peter's downfall, and then I want to share with you Peter's deliverance. How did it go so wrong so fast? And the whole deliverance side of things is going to be talking about this reboot. So I'm going to spend just a few moments speaking of his downfall. What 
led to all this? What, then I, I could basically break it down into three primary sins that, that Peter committed that, that causes downfall. Things that we deal with all the time. Number one was the sin of prayerlessness. The sin of prayerlessness. Jesus said, come to the garden and pray with me so that you would not enter into temptation. In fact, Jesus told Peter, Peter, Satan himself has desired to sift you as wheat. Satan himself is coming after you. Now, I don't think Satan himself has approached many of us. Okay, he's probably got bigger fish to fry, amen? He's probably got more important things to do. But in this particular case, Satan came directly to Peter. Jesus told him, you, know, you better pray because Satan's coming after you. He personally has come to get you and sift you as wheat. But instead of praying, what did Peter do? He slept. He slept, which is understandable from the standpoint of a human standpoint. He was tired. He was sleepy. How, be honest with you. How many of you have ever fallen asleep during prayer? You've prayed. You know, I can't sleep. You can't sleep all night long. You're up 2 in the morning. And you finally say, you know what? I'm just going to get up, and I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to pray. And then you're asleep in about two minutes, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that happens, you know? But that was part of his downfall. He didn't pray like Jesus told him to pray. And accordingly, he ended up denying the Lord three times, as we read earlier. His sin of prayerlessness. He also had the sin of pride. The sin of pride. You think of Peter? Man, when I think of Peter, I think of a big old burly guy, big old burly beard, tough guy. Probably had a growly voice. You know, it reminds me of the voice of the LSU Tigers coach, you know. Go Tigers, you know. I just think of Peter. He's just a rough, graffly, kind of guy. And we all know that Peter was the outspoken one, right? If anything was going on, Peter was at the forefront and making his opinion known. But Peter had a sense of pride. He, I mean, he was so proud. Jesus, I will die with you. Well, really, will you? Now, first of all, you're not going to die with me, but eventually you will die for me because we know that Peter eventually was crucified uh, at, at the end of his ministry. Uh, but nonetheless, Peter was a very proud guy. Peter had forgotten the Old Testament, Proverbs 16, 18, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. He had a sin of pride, there's no doubt about it. He also had the sin of self-dependency, the sin of self-dependency. Peter thought he was the man. He was arrogant in many ways. He had an arrogant attitude. An arrogant attitude, folks, leads to arrogant actions. Amen? Arrogant attitude will always lead to arrogant actions. He walked on water. And he was fine as long as he was what? Keeping his eyes on Jesus. But as soon as he started seeing everything else, what happened? He was dependent on himself all of a sudden, not on Jesus. His faith wavered. He couldn't cast out demons along with the other disciples in Matthew 17 and Mark chapter 9. He was so depending on himself that whenever they came to arrest Jesus, what did Peter do? Pulled out his sword or his knife and what? Whack. Poor Malchus. Poor Malchus. He was just a servant of one of the religious leaders, the, the high priest. He just wanted, He's just there. And all of a sudden, Peter pulls this thing out and just whack, whacks his ear off. Now, thank God, what did Jesus do? You know, he put the ear back on and I don't know what happened to all the blood. You know, it just dried up or what? I don't know. But Peter was a very proud, self-dependent kind of guy. Peter's sin led to his downfall. By the way, church, if, if, if we have a bad 2020 or we had a bad two, 2019 or 2018, 
It's not because God's not good, amen? It's not because God's not loving. Usually if things go south and things are bad, honestly, be straight with you, it's usually because of our own sin. It's usually because of our own prayerlessness, our own pride, our own self-dependency. We don't pray as we should, and, and, and we don't depend on the Lord as we should. Peter's sin led to his downfall, and so does ours. Our own sin, our own arrogance, our own self-reliance. Sometimes we just kind of go through life and we forget about God. We become okay with not doing this for God or not doing that for God. And it's, you know, everything's still okay. I mean, I've still got a job and the money's still coming in. I'm still feeling okay and my health is still pretty good and, and all is good. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not out here on the court, street corner dealing drugs or anything. You know, I'm not in trouble getting arrested or anything like that. So everything's okay. Everything's good. Everything's all right. Everything's okay. We've seen that AT&T, AT&T commercial, right? Everything's okay, right? Remember that, that one commercial with the, with the doctor coming in? Yeah? Patient's laying there on the bed, his wife's sitting there beside him, and they ask, what do you think about this doctor? And the nurse says, oh, he's okay, right? And then all of a sudden, the doctor's coming down the hall, and he says, guess who just got reinstated? Well, not officially. Looks at the patient, and he says, nervous. The patient goes, yeah. What does the doctor say? Yeah, me too. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. I'll see you in there. Anybody want a doctor like that? No, that's just okay. No, none of us do. But a lot of people live their spiritual life like that. Well, I'm okay. Okay is average. Average is good. We ought to be outstanding. We ought to be above the rest. Not that we're haughty and proud or anything, but we're on top of our spiritual game. Not that we're just doing fine or we're doing okay, but sometimes, and by the way, sometimes others are not the problem. Sometimes it is, but usually, guess who the problem is? If we're not on top of our spiritual game, guess whose problem that is? It's ours, right? It's ours. It's not God's fault. Well, pastor, I just don't sense that, that, well, maybe you need to get in the prayer closet then. But that's that. How did things go so fast? bad so fast and how did he how did he how did he get back so fast i want to talk to you this morning about how he was restored what god did in his life how did peter get back to where he needed to be because when we get to the book of acts chapter number two we find peter preaching other than jesus probably preaching the greatest sermon that's ever been preached in history we find the apostle peter as the holy spirit swoops down from portals of heaven and fills the disciples and fills the believers, we find these believers, these disciples, beginning to speak in the various languages of the hundreds of thousands of people that would have been there at the time. They're speaking every known language that's there. And all, they, all this time, all they knew was their Aramaic or their Hebrew. Now they're speaking in, in, the, in the languages of the, of the, the Persians and the Cappadocians and, and, and just all these different languages and then they come to the conclusion, what's going on here? And somebody says, well, these guys must be drunk. And the very next verse says, but Peter standing up with the other disciples. But it says, but Peter standing up. What changed? What happened? That's what takes us to John 21. Turn with me there if you would. John chapter 21. What changed? Peter had a reboot. That's what changed. Peter had a reboot. We're going to quickly go through these 
Well, time's kind of getting away from us. I'm going to share with you a couple things here. Number one, as we look at Peter's deliverance, we see his downfall, what causes downfall, but what causes deliverance? Number one, he was reminded of his past. He was reminded of his past. Look at chapter 21, and I want you to see verses 1 through 14 here. Jesus showed him, this is after the resurrection, by the way, okay? After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to him, what did, what did Peter say? Go ahead, you can say it. It's all right. What did Peter say? I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. I'm tired of this disciple stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm just going fishing, all right? I got other things to do. They said to him, we're going with you. By the way, that's a great example right there of whenever you take a stand on something, surely whether it's good or bad, others are going to follow. You're going to impact others' lives. They went out immediately and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Professional fishermen fishing all night long in the perfect spot, the spot that was the best spot, they hadn't been there in years, and all of a sudden, nothing. Isn't God good? <laughs> when he knows we need nothing, he gives us nothing. There you go. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? Can you imagine Jesus standing on the shore and shouting out to them? Just, did you catch anything? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast. And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Now, understand, there were at least seven of them there. The word they is representative of seven Grown men, fishermen, and not even seven of them could pull it in. That's a lot of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, now who was that? John. John looks over at Peter and says, hey, Peter, what does he say? It's him. It's the Lord. Man, that ought to send goosebumps up and down just fine right there. Can you imagine them? Listen, Peter is in a bad way. I've denied him. I've, yeah, I've already seen him a couple times resurrected, but I'm just, I, 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 man, the guilt, the shame, the hurt. And then John looks over at him and says, it's him. It's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter had heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it to plunge into the sea. Man, the guy went diving. But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, that's about 100 yards, dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Question, where did Jesus get the fish and the bread and the fire? He's, just, he's Jesus. He can do those kinds of things. Amen. What did he do for him? He had breakfast ready for him right there on the shore. Isn't that great? Coming from a long night of fishing, he got breakfast for him. He said, bring some of the fish that you just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land. Now, I want you to notice this now. The seven guys couldn't bring it in. But who's bringing it up to land? Who? Peter. One guy. Would you, do you think the adrenaline was rushing? The adrenaline was just pumping through his veins, right? Full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come 
and have breakfast. Verse 13, Jesus then came and took the bread and he gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself. How did Peter get a reboot? Jesus had to point out the past. You see, this same type of event happened in Luke chapter number 5. Same thing took place. He had to take him back and let him remember what had happened before. Peter, in order for you to be delivered, for you to be rebooted, you got to go back and remember, remember what I've done, Peter. I've done this particular event before. Remember that you were with us at the transfiguration and you saw my glorified body transformed before your very eyes and the sight of it was just so awesome you couldn't even bear to look at it. Peter, remember the, the uh, time when you walked on water and I was walking on water before you were. Peter, remember when Jairus was there and he's weeping and he's wondering his daughter's dead and, and I simply spoke two words to her and she rose up good and alive, as good as new as ever. Peter, remember the thousands that were fed with a, a few loaves and a few fishes. Peter, remember the, the deaf and the, and the lame and the, and the mute and the dumb. Remember all those people that I've healed. Peter, remember my teaching. Peter, remember the cross. Remember. You know, when we need a spiritual reboot, sometimes we need to go back and remember. We need to go back and remember what God has done. David needs to go back and remember when God saved him at Camp Joy there in South Alabama back when he was 12 years old. I need to go back and remember. I need to remember how God brought me and our family through different trials, through different just tragedies and heartache. I need to go back and remember the answered prayer. I need to go back and remember how good God was. I need to go back and remember how I had no money for this, and then out of nowhere, God provided for it. I need to remember how God did this. And, God, and sometimes, folks, in order to get that spiritual reboot, to get back, us back on track, we need to go back and remember what God has done. Amen? We need to go back and remember how good he is. Remember the peace that he delivered. Remember the, the guilt that was gone. Remember the healing that he provided. Remember how he provided through a job or a pay raise or, or whatever the case may be. Remembering that God provided. You ever, you ever lost something and then prayed and said, God, please help me find this. And then five minutes later, ten minutes later, two days later, whatever it is, you find it. You ever done that? I have. It's funny. We lose it, we lose it, we lose it, we lose it, we lose it. And then we pray. And then God says, it was right there the whole time. <laughs> it happens all the time. Remembering his past. Secondly, he had to redefine his love. He had to redefine his love. Here in chapter 21, I'm sorry we didn't read the verses, but you know them very well. Most of you, anyway, may have heard these verses before. I'm sure you have. Verse 15, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. That's one time. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep, twice. Then he said a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, it's interesting here. You need to understand 
on the surface here, you just see the word love, 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 love over and over again. But what you understand here is when in the first two times that Jesus asked this question, he used the word for love that is agape love. And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He used the word phileo love. Phileo love is a much lower form than, of love than agape love is. Agape love is sacrifice, unconditional. Agape love is God's love, the greatest form of love that there is. Whereas phileo love simply means, oh, I'm a good friend, Lord. I like you. You're a good guy. You're my best bud. Yeah, we're buddies. We're friends. We're pals. And it's that friendship kind of love on two totally different levels. So when Jesus says, do you really love me? Peter responded with, Lord, you know I like you. You know I like you. And then a second time, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Agape. Peter says, Lord, you know I phileo you. Then the third time, Jesus said, Peter, do you phileo me? And if you read back at verse number 17, when Jesus said, do you phileo me? Not agape. When you phileo me, when you, do you like me as a friend? It said, when he said it the third time, Peter went, Lord, you know all things. Jesus took the form of love that he was searching for, the kind of love that he has for us that we ought to respond back to him, and he had to water it down to get down to Peter's level to get him to understand, Peter, you like me, but you don't really love me. I need to get you to the point where you really love me. We need to redefine your love. You love me as long as things are going great. You love me as long as things aren't tough. You love me as long as things are, are provided for. Now that I've been crucified, now that you've denied me three times, all of a sudden, you don't love me. You're saying that you love me. You see the difference? Jesus had to redefine his love. And boy, that's true for a lot of us. God wants our love for him to be up here, wants to be agape love, sacrificial, unconditional. God, I'll do anything and everything for you. doesn't matter what it costs, but the problem is often... We give back to him phileo love. Well, God, I'll do whatever you'd like for me to do as long as, and then we start putting conditions to it. We start to include stipulations. As long as you don't mess with this and don't mess with that. And as long as I get to A, B, C, and D, you see, Jesus had to redefine his love. In order for Peter to get back to where he was walking on water, and preaching the way he was preaching before, in order for Peter to get to the book of Acts and preach the way he preached and to die through crucifixion, Jesus had to get him back to agape love. He had to redefine his love. At this point, when Peter had said he's going fishing, he was practicing convenient love, not agape love, not a sacrificial love. He had to redefine his love. Number three, he had to refocus his sight. He had to refocus his sight. Look at how Jesus says this. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love? What does it say? Me. Say me. Do you love Jesus? Is your focus totally on Jesus? More than these. Now, more than these in verse number 15. What are these? There's a lot of debate there. Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples? 
than you love them? Or Peter, do you love me more than these disciples love me? Or Peter, do you love me more than fishing? Because that's what you said, I'm going fishing, right? Do you love me more than that? Or Peter, do you love me more than your old life? Because that's where you're going right now. You're going to the old, back to the old life. Because after all, Peter, what did Peter say? I'm going what? Fishing. He had to refocus his sight back on Jesus. Back where it was when he walked on water. And when you really love someone and love something, that's where your, your energy is going to go. Your actions, my actions show what I love. The other day, I don't like to talk about this, but the other day, uh, my team had a ball game on, and yes, we got whooped. All right, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and say it out loud, so you just save your emails and comments for later, okay? This morning, as soon as I walked into Faith Builders, somebody said, how about them? Yeah, whatever. Okay, moving on. And, uh, but one of the things that took place was I didn't get to watch half the game. I didn't get to watch half the game because my son, in all his brilliance, decided to have his return plane flight from Colorado back to uh, uh, Florida fly in at 12.55. Well, the game started at 1. Now, I love Auburn football. But you know what? It's a phileo love. I love my son a lot more. What I could have said was, son, what were you thinking? You knothead. I'll pick you up by 6 or 7 o'clock tonight. I'll pick you up. He flew up flying in around 1. I could have said that, but I didn't. But instead, I drove to the airport and I picked him up, just like I should have as a father, because I love my son. Now, I will admit, we tried to listen to it on the radio on the way back. And why in the world ESPN Radio and ESPNU were playing the same stinking Alabama game at the same time? I don't know, but they weren't playing the Auburn game. That was really upsetting to me. But you know what? We just turned it off and listened to music, actually, and, and we just talked on the way back about his trip and about what God's doing in his life. And, and that was more precious than any football win. Why? Because I love my son. I love my son. Peter was rebooted, in a sense, because God, the Lord Jesus, refocused his sight. His sight needed to go back to Jesus. His focus needed to be there. Lastly, fourthly, Jesus had to redirect his agenda. You'll notice here in verses 15, 16, and 17, he says, You love me? Feed my lambs. Verse 15. You love me? Feed my sheep, verse 16. You love me, feed my sheep, verse number 17. Notice you have lambs and sheep. Lambs, the little ones, the immature ones, the young ones, the novice ones, the ones that are young in their faith, the ones that are immature, the ones that are like children. Feed them. Then he says to feed my sheep, which obviously we're talking about not just caring for them physically, we're talking about caring for them spiritually, meeting their spiritual needs and feeding them the milk and the, the meat of the Word of God. Verse 16, he speaks of tending the sheep, a shepherding term, obviously. Speaking of sheep and lambs, in other words, herd them, care for them, feed them, protect them, comfort them. Jesus was saying, listen, your agenda before, yes, it was fishing, and then it was me, but now that I've died and I've resurrected, you wanted to go back to fishing. No, 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 no. Your agenda is not fishing. For fish. Your agenda is fishing for 
men. We've got to redirect our agenda. In other words, what he's saying, if you look at this, he says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. You got that? You find that? Peter, love me. Feed my sheep. In other words, what? Love God and love people. He goes right back to the great command of Matthew 22 and Deuteronomy chapter 6. He goes right back to what it's all about, loving God and loving people. Do you really love me, Peter? That's where I want you to be. Do you really love people? Do you really, do you really feed, care for, instruct, shepherd the flock of God, Peter? That's what I want you doing. He had to redirect his agenda. One who truly loves God, agape love, sacrificial love, unconditional love, is always willing to serve, always willing to do, always willing to pour into the lives of others. Whether it's your spiritual gift or not, where you're talented in an area or not, you're still willing to jump in with both feet and say, God, here I am, use me for the glory of God. That's when you know your agenda has been redirected. Peter had his agenda rebooted. He was redirected from fishing and his old ways of life to fishing for people and loving one person and one person only, and that is the Lord God who had saved him and died for him. I'm going to read you a little story and we're done here. The knife sliced through the man's shirt like a razor, entering his back at the shoulder and cutting diagonally toward the spine. Skin and muscle melted like mutton before a cleaver. The shock paralyzed him, and searing pain tore through his body like currents of fire. He tried to scream, but the knife punctured his lung. Being withdrawn, it was plunged in again and again. The third plunge was most cruel, stabbing, carving, nicking, spiritual, or nicking spinal cord and puncturing the heart. The victim twisted toward his attacker, seeing through anguished eyes the face of his betrayer. Three times the scalpel, not the knife, the scalpel lacerated the man's chest, scoring the sin, uh, skin, uh, cutting along carefully drawn lines. Its surgical steel grew red. The flesh and fat separated. The chest opened. Soon the heart was bared. Two knives, one in the hand of a killer, the other in the hand of a healer. One cut into the back, the other one cut into the chest. Three stabs for the betrayal, three for the surgery. The surgeon, being healed, was operating on the man who had attacked him. Three times Peter stabbed Jesus in the back. And three times, Jesus cut Peter to the heart. The Lord knew that Peter's guilt and his sense of shame were blacker than coal. But he also knew that Peter would never become the bold and brilliant leader of the early church if he spent his days groping in the coal mines of guilt and moping in the mine shafts of shame. He had to put it behind him he had to renew his love for his master and get busy feeding sheep. 
Do you need renewal today? Do you need a reboot in 2020? Maybe your love needs to be redefined. Maybe you say you love God, but it's not really the kind of love that God is looking for. Maybe you need to be reminded of how good God is in your past and what God has done. Maybe you need to refocus your sight on him rather than our own agenda and allow him to redirect your life and your agenda. Loving God, loving people. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm always in need of a reboot. How about you? I'm always in need of getting back to the Lord. Why is that? Because I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner just like y'all. We're all sinners. Would you at least agree with me on that? And my prayer is that 2020 would be a year where, man, we just, we burst for God. We do the things that we know his word has called us to do. And we're passionate about it and we're urgent about it. And we're willing to sacrifice and not give God phileo love, although he is our friend, but to give him sacrificial, unconditional, all-in, agape love. Peter, do you love me? What would your response be? I hope that we do. Let us pray together. Thank you for your attention and know went a little bit over today, but that's all right. I don't know what last year was like for you. Maybe it was a great year. Take time right now. Just thank God. God, thank you for all the things that you did last year. I know I've spent some time doing that recent days because God is good. But I got to be honest with you. I'll tell you what. I know I failed him in lots of ways too. And I have to talk to him about those things too. Do you need a reboot? Do you need a do-over? Do you need a start with a clean slate? Great news. God is a God of hope. He can do that for you. Are we willing to allow him to use us and to speak to us in a unique way, in a way that we've never been used before, in a way that he's never empowered us before, but we desire that from him now? You know, it all begins with salvation. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Has you, have you asked him to come to your life and to save you? That's where it all begins. That's the starting point. That's the starting line right there. If you died today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? If you stood before God and God said, why should I let you into heaven? I hope your answer is going to be because I've received Christ as my Savior. But if you haven't, you can receive him this morning. Just call upon him right now say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I know I cannot go to heaven on my own because you're holy. God, please come into my life and save me. I believe on you. I believe you're the only way to heaven. I believe that Jesus, your son, died for me and he rose from the dead for me to give me new life and to give me forgiveness of sins. Please come into my life and save me, God. I put my faith and trust in you now. Believers, my prayer is that we'll search our hearts and we'll seek to have the greatest year ever we'll read God's word more we'll commit to it just gonna, I'm just going to do it 
I'm going to pray more. I'm going to invite more. I'm going to share more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to bless more. I'm going to serve my community more. I'm going to serve in my local church more. Whether it's part of your ministry description or not, you just commit to be in agape love with Jesus. Father, bless this invitation time, we pray in Jesus' name.